Good morning, everyone. What a gift to worship with you. Let's give it up for our worship team just for leading us and worship. A great gift to sing with you and lift our voices up before our Lord. For those of you who are joining us via Facebook and uh, newlife.nyc or YouTube, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life here in Queens, New York City. And uh, it's just a joy to have you worship with us. We are starting a new series, a three-week series, focusing on Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. What does it mean that Jesus is the true prophet? What does it mean that Jesus is the true priest? What What does it mean that Jesus is the true king? And what does it mean for our daily lives as well? Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there were three main titles, three main offices in Israel, and those offices or titles are prophet, priest, and king. And the prophet spoke the word of God, the priests, uh, through sacrifices and worship, uh, made reconciliation possible with God, and the kings were called upon God to lead on God's behalf. But all throughout the Old Testament, we find that prophets were not doing their task correctly, and that priests were often corrupted, and that kings often went the wrong way. And so the question was, towards the end of the Old Testament, uh, as prophets were not doing their things right, and priests were not doing their things right, and kings were not doing their things right, should we just give up on prophets, priests, and kings, or should we ask God to do the job himself? Uh, Should we ask God to be the true prophet and be the true priest and be the true king? And that's what we find in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes and shows us what it means to be prophet, priest, and king. Today we're going to focus on Jesus as the true prophet. And throughout the course of the next three weeks and today, I just want to brag on Jesus. Is that all right? Can I brag on Jesus? I mean, we're in church after all. (laughs) It should be okay to brag on Jesus as we think about him as the true prophet. Now, to understand Jesus as the true prophet, we have to look at the Old Testament to understand what the prophets did and the prophets were and see how Jesus compares uh, and is contrasted to them. And so Deuteronomy chapter 34, if you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. Deuteronomy 34, we'll have it on the screen as well as we hear about Moses, the greatest prophet in Israel. We usually don't think about Moses in this way, but look what Deuteronomy 34 has to say about Moses, and this helps us to understand our Lord Jesus in context as well. Uh, Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. It says, No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Let's stop there. Lord, Thank you for your love. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for an opportunity to gather in person and online to lift up your name. Now, speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Depending on who you talk to, the word prophet either gets people very excited or gets people very concerned. (laughs) 
In some places, it's reserved for holy people. In some places, it's reserved for suspicious people. In some places, the prophet uh, is a welcome sign, and for others, it's resisted. Some people uh, give themselves the title as self-proclaimed prophets, and other people tend to resist that title altogether. And so wherever you are on the spectrum, I recognize the tension. I recognize the various stories that we all come to the table with. I recognize that there have been some crazy things done in the name of prophets and in the name of prophecy. And at the same time, there have been some powerful things done in the name of prophets. When I became a Christian uh, as a 19-year-old, there was a six-month span in which I was regularly receiving prophetic words. And not just me, other youth in our community, in our youth meeting, were receiving prophetic words from different evangelists, different preachers, different pastors who would come to our little congregation in Brooklyn. And it was there that I would be reminded and be encountered with the power of God's word piercing the heart through someone that I didn't know. It would be, you know, 30 of us, 40 of us in a room, and we'd invite this evangelist who didn't know any of us, and he'd come in, and and he'd preach, or she'd come in, and and she'd preach, and and give the sermon, and at the end of the sermon, she'd ask everyone to stand up and, and just look through the congregation, waiting for God's word to come through, and then speak a word of God over someone's life, and call out of someone what God had deposited in them. And the first person to do this would look at me and say, I, I, I don't know, I don't know who you are, but, but I see you preaching before a diverse community of people, and, and God's put his word on your mouth and just tend to that gift, and, and I would go, wow, this is the first time this ever happened. What was that about? Another month would come, another pro- a pastor or an evangelist would come and, and do the same thing and, and look at me in the back or look at a friend of mine in the back and start calling out of us what God had deposited in us. For six months this happened, six different preachers, and I was introduced to the power of the prophetic, the power of God speaking to a particular person, calling out of them what God had deposited in them. There's something about receiving a word from God in this way. Whenever we would have a prophet like that come into our church, whenever we had someone who had a prophetic ministry, the church was always packed that day. And the reason why the church was packed is because It reminded us that we are all hungry for a word from God. And we're all hungry for the word of God. Last week, uh, a Friday night, I had a dream of of, uh, our marriage ministry director, Kelly Ng. And I was reminded of that as I saw him on Saturday morning at this leadership gathering we had on Zoom. And I look at Kelly and I said, oh, Kelly, seeing your face reminds me, I had a dream of you last night. And there were about six or seven other people on the call waiting for the rest of the group. And I I said, I saw you uh, just on a panel. You were on a panel discussion. You had a microphone in your hand. And you were speaking with such authority. And I was blown away in the dream just looking at you. So much authority. And I said, Kelly, just walk in the authority that God has given you. And then I looked around jokingly and I said, who else wants a word? And everybody said, ooh, 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 me, 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 me. We're all hungry for a word from God. This is why Jesus, it makes sense why Jesus said that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are all hungry for a word from God, which is why people go all over the place seeking to find a word to speak to them. It's why people look at horoscopes and go to fortune tellers and read fortune cookies and are looking for a word outside of themselves. 
I want a word of encouragement. I want a word of direction. I want some place to go. Is there some, does someone have a word for me? Is there some word from another dimension, another place that can help me with guidance in my life and give me wisdom for my life and, and speak into the deepest part of my soul and call something out of me? We're all longing for a word from God. And what I want you to hear in this sermon today is that the words that our souls long for most are found in the words of Jesus Christ, the true prophet. If you want a word for your soul, listen to Jesus and listen to the words that he wants to speak into your soul and the words that he, will, that he wants to use to call out what God has deposited inside of you. To understand what it means to see Jesus as the true prophet, we have to look at the Old Testament to see how prophets operated in that day. And it's interesting to see that Moses here is regarded as the greatest prophet. Usually when we think about prophets in the Old Testament, we think of Isaiah, we think of Jeremiah, we think of Ezekiel, we think of people like Amos. We go, those are the prophets. But Moses is seen as the greatest prophet in all of Israel. And Deuteronomy tells us why. I want to explore what Deuteronomy says about Moses and then how this has to do with Jesus and what this has to do with all of us every single day. In verse 10, it says, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Moses knew God face to face. Listen, a prophet, number one, speaks to God and for God. A prophet speaks to God and for God. Moses had a deep relationship with God. He didn't just know about God. He knew God. There was a level of intimacy that Moses had with God. Whether God encountered him in the burning bush or whether God encountered him on the top of the mountain as the Ten Commandments were given, Moses speaks to God, Moses speaks for God, Moses knows God. What makes Moses the greatest prophet in Israel is that he had such a level of intimacy with God, speaking to him as a friend face to face. Now, in the New Testament, we find a striking resemblance, striking similarities between Jesus and Moses. Look at how similar their stories are. In, in Moses' story, Pharaoh wanted to kill him while he was a baby. In Jesus' story, Herod wanted to kill him when he was a baby. In Moses' story, Moses goes up to the mountain to receive revelation and give it to the people of God. In Matthew chapter 5, the gospel writer very intentionally uses the language that Jesus went up to the mountain and spoke the word of God. When people heard that phrase, they would say, that sounds like something Moses did. And when Jesus got up, he began to speak the words, the Sermon on the Mount. But look at the difference here. When Moses got up, he spoke the Ten Commandments. But when Jesus got up on the mountain, these are the words Jesus said. He said, you have heard it said before, but now I tell you this. When Jesus said that, he was effectively saying that Moses spoke for God, but I speak as God. Mm, amen, somebody. Moses spoke for God, but I speak as God. Listen, in every administration, the president of the United States has a press secretary. 
And the press secretary has one important job, to speak on behalf of the president. That means the press secretary must know the president well, know the policies, know what the president would say in a given circumstance so that when a question comes his or her way, they could give the words that the president would want to articulate. Listen, Moses is God's press secretary. But Jesus is the president. Amen. Jesus comes to the podium and says, thus says me, thus says the Lord. And so here Jesus is not just bringing a word from God. Jesus is the word of God. What we find secondly in Moses and in the Old Testament prophets and in Jesus Christ is that secondly, a prophet confronts the powers of evil. A prophet confronts the powers of evil. Look at verse 11. It says, Moses, who did all those signs and wonders, the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to the whole land. Moses is known for many things, for uh, many phrases, but there's one phrase in particular that religious and non-religious people know that Christians and non-Christians know alike. When Moses got up, he said four words that people understand across the board. Let my people go. As the greatest prophet of Israel, Moses confronts the oppressive ways of Pharaoh. He speaks truth and offers warnings to those who would abuse and misuse their power. And other prophets in the Old Testament did the same, whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or Amos or anyone else. Prophets didn't so much tell the future. What they did was they spoke truth, spoke truth to those in power. When we think about prophetic ministry, we often think about someone who tells the future. And from time to time, that's what happened in the Bible. But what's more prominent in the Bible is a prophet speaking hard truth to those who are not using their power well. This is why Dr. King is known as an American prophet because he spoke truth to those who would misuse and abuse their power. And Moses does the same. He speaks the truth. But when you compare Moses to Jesus, we see why Jesus, amen, is the true prophet. Because Moses, yes, confronts the powers of evil, but Jesus takes it one step further. He doesn't just confront the powers of evil. Our Lord Jesus Christ conquers the powers of evil. In his death, he conquers the powers. This is what Colossians says about him. He says, when you were dead in your sins and and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. He doesn't just confront the powers. He conquers the powers. Oh, can I brag on Jesus today? Uh, And if you belong to Jesus, the powers don't have authority over you either because you're hidden with him and you're with him. Prophets confront powers of evil. Our Lord Jesus Christ conquers the powers of evil. What does a prophet in the Old Testament do? Well, the prophets in the Old Testament, we find it in Moses, they reveal the character of God. They reveal the character of God. Moses showed the people of God what God was like. He showed facets of God's 
identity. He showed facets of God's priority. Whatever God was concerned about, Moses showed that. He demonstrated it. He revealed the character of God. And Moses revealed it so much so in his intimacy with God that his very countenance was transformed because he was with God. In Exodus 34, we find something uh, powerful about Moses. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two iPads of the covenant law in his hands, tablets there, uh, he, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses' face was beaming with glory, and the people were afraid of what they saw in him. And, but he said, no, it, 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 it's, all, it's just a good tan. I'm glowing here. Don't worry about it. Come near me. But we find in Moses, is he reveals a beautiful facet of God's character, of God, who God is. But in Jesus Christ, Jesus takes it a step further. Jesus doesn't just reveal a part of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. In Hebrews 1.3, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful hand. And so we find Jesus Christ. Moses was the greatest prophet of, uh, in Israel, but Jesus is an even greater prophet than Moses. He is the true prophet and all of this has significance for our everyday lives. Do you want to know what God has to say to you? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know what God speaks over you? Listen to Jesus. Look at the words that he says over you. You will not find your identity and the secret of your life through horoscopes. You're not going to find it through various books that you read. The next book, your purpose and identity are found in the very words of Jesus Christ. And so this sermon is to get you to listen to Jesus, that his words are so powerful, that his words can transform your life, because in his words are eternal life. I think about his disciples. There was a day in, in John chapter 6, Jesus preached a sermon in which more than half of the congregation decided to leave. And they said, I'm not going to follow him anymore because of what he just said. What he said was this. He said, if you want to follow me, he tells them in John chapter 6, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people said, I am not a vampire. I'm not going for this. I'm out of here. And they left him. They took him too literally, number one. And they left him. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he looks at them and says, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter gets up and says, where in the world are we going to go? In you are the words of eternal life. Where are we going? Where in the world are we going? Do you, do you want to know what God has to say about you? Look to Jesus. In him are the words of eternal life. This is why prayer is so important. And I'll tell you what we're doing in prayer. Thomas Merton talked about prayer. And he said that when we sit in prayer, of course, we're talking to God and we're offering our requests before God. But Thomas Merton says this about prayer. He says, in prayer, we wait for a word 
that we cannot give ourselves. We wait for a word that we cannot give to ourselves. In other words, in prayer, I'm saying, Lord, I know there's something you want to speak to me that I cannot speak to myself. That no amount of self-encouragement is going to help me. I need something from you. I need something spoken at the depths of my soul. You want to know what God has to say about you? Listen to Jesus. And this is powerful because we have to learn what Jesus speaks over us. For many of us, we are carrying years upon years upon years of negative words that have been spoken over us. For some of you, your parents maybe spoke a word over you that so damaged you that you carry it to this day. Someone in school said a word to you and so damaged you that it marks you to this day. Someone in your job said a word, a criticism, something that might have happened last week, something might have happened last decade, and it's still just something sitting in your soul. And so for those of us who are carrying some of these words over our lives, we listen to Jesus Because his words can overpower every single negative word that has been spoken over you. And he gives you a new identity in his name. What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with the world? Why is it significant that Jesus is the true prophet? Well, do you want to know what God is going to do about evil in the world? Look to Jesus Christ. Look to him if you want to know what God is going to do about evil. As the true prophet, we can trust Jesus' words, brothers and sisters, that evil has an expiration date. Amen. Evil has an expiration date. In his death and in his resurrection, he announces that the powers of sin and death no longer have the last word. That in him we can trust his words to be true. This is why I love the book of Revelation chapter 1 where he says, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. When we see evil in the world Pain in the world, pandemics in the world, war in this world, disease and hatred, oppression and exploitation. As followers of the true prophet, we know that he has already dealt with it. And that one day he's going to come back and finish the job. And so we are to remember that evil has an expiration date because Jesus has conquered the grave. Which is why, brothers and sisters... Whenever you watch the news at night, which is something I don't recommend, but if you watch the news at night, make sure after watching the news you read Revelation 1. Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever, and I hold the keys to death in Hades. When you go tuck yourself in at night and you're looking at your screen on social media, something else I don't recommend, and you see all the problems of the world, after you see all that's wrong in the world, look at Revelation 1 again. And trust in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive. 
And I hold the keys to death and Hades. You want to know what's going to happen with evil? Look to Jesus. You want to know what God is like? What we're getting at in this text is look to Jesus. There's so much confusion about what God is like, who God is, what God does. There's so many confusing messages in our culture. But as the Christian, we confess that God has a human face. And that human face is Jesus Christ. You want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. There's lots of confusion in this world. We, we often have all these different concepts of who God is. And those concepts are often reflections of our own deepest fears. Projections of our own deepest fears. Which is why uh, Anne Lamont said these words. She said, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. <laughs> the God we often hear about is often a reflection of our deepest fears, a projection of our deepest anxieties. But we look to the scriptures and we look to Jesus Christ as the exact representation of who God is. You want to know who God is? Look to Jesus Christ. In his truth-telling, in his mercy, in his compassion, in his self-giving love, he shows us what God is like. Now, all of this, Jesus is the true prophet he shows us what God is like. But all of this that we're talking about has to do with how you and I live in this world. Because to be united with Jesus Christ, to be the body of Christ, to be rescued by him, means that we are called because of this union with him to in our own way and in our own world be prophetic. Because we are so united with Jesus Christ, you are called to be a prophet. Congratulations. You came in here not knowing that you're a prophet. You're leaving here knowing you're a prophet. And I'm not talking about telling the future. I'm talking about something else here. You and I are called to be a prophetic community. What does it mean for you to be a prophetic parent? What does it mean for you to be a prophetic neighbor, a prophetic son, prophetic daughter, prophetic supervisor, a prophetic teacher? What does it mean for us to bear witness to this prophetic anointing that rests on the church? I want to offer a few ways for us to grow in this call to be a prophet. Because whether you know it or not, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are called to prophesy. You are called to be a prophet. What does it mean? I want to offer three words for us that when you go home, let us begin to start practicing it. First of all, to be a prophet in the way of Jesus means that we first live in truth and speak the truth. We live in truth and we are called to speak the truth. One of the great tasks of the church, one of the great tasks of individual followers of Jesus is to live in truth and to reject falsehood. Live in truth 
Reject falsehood. We are called to speak the truth, brothers and sisters, but it must be done from a place of humility, knowing that the truth that we speak first and foremost applies to us first. The worst kinds of prophets or so-called prophets are those who think their words never apply to them. It's always for somebody else. But the first place the church is to live in truth and speak the truth to is to ourselves. The church is, before we start prophesying about how terrible the world is and how godless the world is, before we start prophesying about how demonic your workplace is and all the rest, the call of the church, first of all, is to look in the mirror and see all the ways that we are not living up to our identity in Jesus Christ. That is the first calling of the church. And when you look at all of the mess of the church, from abuse to exploitation to oppression to misusing power, the first call of us is to speak truth to ourselves. To say, Lord, we have not lived up to what you've called us to be. And before we speak a word about the world around us, may we open ourselves up to the prophetic word you have for us. And so prophecy is to be rooted in humility. Knowing that every word that we speak out first must pass through our lives first. We are called to speak in truth. Live in truth. And the, and the truth that we speak is not for the purpose of destroying. The truth that we speak is for the purpose of saving. Joan Chittister says these words. She says, the function of the prophet is not to destroy. The function of the prophet is to expose whatever cancers fester beneath the surface so that what is loved and can be saved while there is yet time. To be a prophetic church means that we live in honesty, honestly with one another, not lying to one another, putting away falsehood from our lives, and out of that place speaking the word of God. To be a prophetic parent calls us to live in honesty and to speak out of that place. A prophetic friend, a prophetic Christian, that's the first thing. Secondly... To carry on this prophetic anointing from Jesus means that we are called to strengthen others with our words. To be a prophet, we're called to strengthen others. It's often the case that we, prophets are, we're there, we want to speak the truth. And we want to tear the thing down. And there's a time to speak the truth and to tear whatever injustice is out there down. But we are called to strengthen others with our words. Look what 1 Corinthians 14.3 says. It says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Some of the best prophetic words we can ever offer are those words that strengthen, that encourage that comfort. Imagine your home if it was marked by this kind of prophetic ministry. 
It's easy, especially for those who are very close to us, it's easy to find criticism in those nearest to us, to point out the flaws in those who are close. It's easy to do that. But imagine if your home was growing in this prophetic call, that when you're having a meal together and you're looking at your roommate or looking at your child or looking at your spouse or looking at a family member, imagine if you began to speak words that pulled out of them what God had deposited in them. Imagine if you began to say, I I see these gifts in you, and I just want to call those gifts out. When When we're sitting down with our children, we look at our children and we go, Karis, you have such a gift to make friends with people. You're so approachable. You're you're like God in that way. God is a friend of of sinners. And we want to call that out of you. We look at our son Nathan and we say, Nathan, you have an infectious joy. You know how to bring joy to people around you. You know that's from God. And while we're eating our rice and beans and chuletas and everything else there, we're prophesying over each other. We're calling out of them what God has already deposited in them. Imagine if we did that at our dinner tables. Imagine before we send our kids off to school that we speak a word of encouragement and strength and comfort over their lives. Imagine with our roommates and with those who pass our way, those in our building, those in our workplaces. Imagine if the words that we speak, if we were identified for calling out of people what God had placed inside of them. Oh, then we will be living the kind of prophetic ministry that Jesus Christ has entrusted to us. And so a prophet is one who strengthens others with our words. What if we did this as a church, as a whole? Offering words of comfort, strength, encouragement. What if when people came into our congregations, they found strength? What if people came into our small groups, into our homes, they found comfort? They found encouragement? That when they walk away from your presence, when they walk out of our church, when they walk out of your home, they go, I have just been with the presence of God. I long for that. Don't you long for that? That after those have been with you, there's something of God's presence is on them? You've spoke a word to them? To be prophetic is to strengthen others with our words. Lastly... What does it mean to be a prophetic community, a prophetic individual, a prophetic supervisor, a prophetic teacher, a prophetic boss, a prophetic parent? It means that our call is this, to show the world what the future will look like. This is what we are called to. To be prophetic means that we show the world what the future will look like. This is what I mean. We as the body of Christ, we experience and express the kingdom of God long before the world sees it. What we are doing right now in our life, in our baptism, in our union with Jesus Christ is we are displaying to the world today What's going to happen when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns? The image that I've come back to over and over again is your life, our church, we're called to be a movie trailer. 
what is coming in the future when people look at our lives, they get a sneak preview of it. A couple of weeks ago, was it last week, Rosie and I, we saw Dune. Phenomenal. I love the movie. It was, it was wonderful. And, and as we're watching it, do you know that they have like 30 to 35 minutes of previews now? What is this? And, 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 and 30 minutes of trailers. And, and after a trailer came up, Rosie and I look at each other and we go, oh, we're going to watch that. We're going to watch that. They look at it again. And, and then the next trailer comes up. We go, oh, yeah, we're going to watch that. And then the next one, I go, oh, no, we're not going to watch that. Too scary. And, and, every just, and, and, and every movie comes up. We look at each other because what did it do? It wet our appetites. It said, oh, ooh, when that comes out in its fullness, I've seen all I needed to see in one minute. I am sold. I want to watch the two-hour experience because I just had one minute with the trailer. The church, brothers and sisters, is to be a one-minute trailer that when people come into our presence, amen, when people come into your presence as an individual, you wet their appetite. There's something about God's grace on your life, something about God's love in your life, something about God's compassion and justice and forgiveness that when people see it, they say, I, I, wanna, I want the whole experience. I, 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 want to, I want to watch the whole film. I, I want to be in this kingdom. Why? Because I've encountered you. And you're called to be a trailer of what's to come. And our church is called to be a trailer of what's to come. This is why we have a health center, a food and clothing pantry. Because in our work today, and working for the healing of bodies and the feeding of those who don't have, what we're saying is one day Jesus is going to heal every body and feel, fill every stomach. And so today we are anticipating, amen, what the world is going to look like when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns. This is why at New Life we appreciate the arts. Because one day the world is going to be filled with the beauty of God. And so now today we celebrate the arts, letting the world know that the fullness of beauty is coming when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns. This is why we bridge racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. Because when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns, there will be no more division. There will be no more hierarchies. There will be no more ends and outs and so today we anticipate what the world will look like when Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns you are a movie trailer get that in your spirit you are a picture of what's to come and we brothers and sisters are called to be a picture a trailer of what is to come and so the invitation is very simple. There's one invitation. I want to invite Kate and our worship team to come forward. There's one invitation before us. If we believe that Jesus is the true prophet, we have one call in this world to listen to him. In him are the words of eternal life. As the true prophet, he speaks to us. He calls out of us what God has deposited in us. He calls us to be a particular person, a particular community. Our task is very simple. It's to listen to Jesus. Let me ask you, have you been listening to Jesus? 
is your life marked by listening to his words? Whose words have you been listening to? What are the words that you have allowed to define you? Who are you listening to? And today we worship to be reminded that Jesus Christ speaks to us with clarity, with power, with anointing. And we are called to listen to him. Why? Because he's not just bringing a word from God. He is the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the true prophet. The one in whose words is found eternal life. And may we listen to you. May we orient our hearts and our ears towards you. And Lord, may you call us and empower us to be a prophetic community, listening to your voice for the strengthening, the encouraging, the comfort of others. We sing to you now words of praise and thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing and worship our beautiful Savior. What a beautiful name. Beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death cannot hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the bones of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no
Amen. Amen. Let's have our prayer team come to my right, to your left. We close every gathering with an opportunity for those of you who want to receive it, to receive prayer. Because it becomes a moment where prophetic words can be spoken over you. Words to encourage you. Words to strengthen you. Words to comfort you. Listen, in a given week, I'm aware of so much discouragement that might be coming your way. So much adversity. uh, So much discomfort. So many challenges that are coming your way. And you wonder, does God have a word for me? Is there a word that could speak life into me? And of course, the word of God and the proclaimed word is to speak life to us. But we want to give you a double portion of that as well. And this is why we close with the time of prayer. To receive words spoken to you and over you. And so today, if you're feeling weary, anxious, afraid, let some words be spoken to you personally. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you through our prayer team. For some of you, you came in here today and maybe you're watching online and you've been living for so many words of other people, trying to root your identity in what other people say about you. And it's never reaching the far reaches of your soul. Why? Because only Jesus can reach that place. And if if you've come to a place today where you say, I I want those words of Jesus to so fill me and change me and transform me. That's what it means to say yes to him. To allow his words to so transform me that I follow him and surrender my entire life to him. And if you came into church today, if you're watching online and you're going, that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. We want to give you an opportunity to take the next step in your faith to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Whether you come up to receive prayer and have one of our elders or prayer team members lead you in that, whether you're watching online or in here or you text this phrase, yes to Jesus, to 718-424-0122. If you text those words, pray those words, we want to help you take the next step so that you may be the person who God has created you to be. At the end of the service, we're returning to our sermon discussion time, and so for those of you watching online, if you want to connect with others in our community and uh, encourage one another or have questions about the sermon, Pastor Jackie will be leading that time, and so you're in good hands with her. Uh, it's about 30 minutes, so feel, there's a link on the, on, the, um, on the screen there. If you want to just join in your mobile device after service, feel free to do that as well, but uh, feel free to join us for that sermon discussion time. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And as I said last week, uh, use this time, whether you're coming forward for prayer, whether you want to reconnect with those within the sanctuary, uh, feel free to stay as long as you'd like uh, to connect and have good conversations with people in this space here. Um, Sundays are not just an opportunity for us to worship, it's an opportunity for us to connect with one another as well and encourage one another. And so feel free to mingle and stay as long as you'd like. 
you have kids, make sure you pick them up first, all right? Just say. <laughs> Let me bless you. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this gathering and this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, being the kind of prophetic community, the prophetic person God has called you to be. There is a world out there longing for the word of God, longing for a word from God. And may God use you in powerful ways this week to call out of others what God has put in them. May you be a source of power and joy and encouragement. And may the Holy Spirit surprise you, giving you words for your own life as well. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the prophetic word, name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.